I followed the same trajectory with my husband, Steve. Steve couldn't imagine raising our son in New York, which had become too unimaginably scary for him once he gazed upon his new, miraculous baby boy clone. I did not feel this way. But I couldn't imagine handling my scary, intense job and being a mom at the same time. Several mom friends could handle it, though not most, it must be said. Sorry, bra-burning, second-wave feminists disgusted with their weak, pathetic daughters. You can ask my weary shrink and pharmaceutical battered liver. I simply couldn't cut it. Okay, here's the point where you might be thinking of flinging your book or iPad or Kindle across the room and saying to yourself, Oh my God, I've bought another whiny white mommy book. What was I thinking? Here she goes, complain, complain, annoying, spoiled, whiny white mommy. I'm toning her. Well, let me explain precisely what this whiny white mommy is complaining about. I fully acknowledge that I am among the luckiest of women in the luckiest place anywhere on the planet. I chose to stay at home, and that's not a choice most can make. That big fat zero on my career suicide note did not bankrupt me. I made good money for a handful of years and have a husband with a good salary, and we are also both pathologically cheap. How cheap are we? So cheap that we could swing living in modest homes in expensive suburbs with great schools, but, full disclosure, this luxury was subsidized by money I inherited when both my parents died, by the time I turned 29. Considering their modest salaries as teacher and career guidance expert in my hometown of Albany, New York, black Hispanic population near 40%, take that, whitey-toned suburbia. The fact that they amassed any savings at all after sending three daughters to pricey colleges amazes me. Clearly, they were cheap too, or to use my technical term, super crazy mega cheap. My problem and of course it is a problem only in the upper-middle-class sense of the word, is that abruptly leaving my career for suburban mommyhood made me a foreigner in a place where conformity was king, subversion seemed policed, and where I often felt like I had been taken hostage by an adult Girl Scout troop. No surprise that my first friends in suburbia were actual foreigners. Naoko and Yuki were my treasured Japanese lady friends who fit in far better than I did, even though they weren't part of the rich, power-Asian set, a significant demographic in my new land. Rinda, this my home now, Naoko would say, with several kids to take care of and a husband deployed in Iraq. And now, sigh, he's in Afghanistan. Semper Fi, Kevin Conway. Still, She somehow found time to scrapbook and, oh, work overnights at a place where she championed and cared for the severely disabled. What she lacked in language skills, she more than made up for with her indomitable spirit and trays of homemade sushi rolls. I wasn't the least bit surprised at the strength we all saw after the Japanese earthquake. Not me, not after Naoko and Yuki, who's a gorgeous beam of steel herself. But what made me a foreigner? Really, it was my love of the transgressive and the unspeakable spoken out loud. I've always been this way. As a seven-year-old in 1977, I drove my very conservative Depression-era mother insane after I read the book William's Doll 
and began my own tiny fag-hag crusade on behalf of sissies everywhere. No surprise, I was the all-purpose outcast of my Catholic school, Saint Bullies of the All-Sadists, where my only outlet from constant harassment was to furtively read Judy Bloom's Deanie, the one where Deanie touches her special place with a washcloth. God, I'm still aroused thirty years later. No surprise that my sole childhood friend was the only Jew my Irish Catholic family really knew, Cheryl Olinsky, who set me up for a lifetime of heeb-lovin' and Chinese food eaten, and whose Barry Manilow and purple-powered bat mitzvah was the defining social event of my childhood. Pretty much the only social event, now that I think about it. And no surprise, I ended up in New York, a glorious Jusa-Palooza and homo heaven rolled into one, working in a place where having an eye for the deranged and twisted...